the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Thousands of you yelling back at the at the radio. He is risen indeed. It is a fact. He is risen. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about the historical evidence, not not the philosophical evidence, not the emotional evidence, but the historical evidence that this Jesus of Nazareth. Well, I am not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not giving it a. An easy thought, I, folks. When we talk about something, somebody raising from the dead. I mean, it so easily rolls off the lips, rolls off the tongue that Jesus rose from the dead. But dead people don't rise. Zombies. They don't. The zombies nowadays. Yeah, that's that's our nearest. You know, that's the the weirdest nearest idea. But it, it just doesn't happen. It, it doesn't. And I can just imagine. I, I think I know because he kept telling him, I'm going to go to Jerusalem repeatedly. I'm going to go. I'm going to be put on trial, wrongly trialed and wrongly prosecuted and found guilty. And I'm going to be delivered over to the Roman authorities. I'm going to be killed and then I'm going to rise again. And they, and they, yeah. And now we looking now 2000 years later, we look at it and go, what didn't they get? Well, didn't they understand? He said that he's going to rise. I don't know. Somehow that just—I can understand why they didn't get it. What about you, Stace? We, by the way, welcome, happy Easter, wonderful Easter to you from the Bible Live team here, Soapy Dollar, and my daughter Stacy's here with me. We've just finished reading this past week the Gospel of John, and my grandson William is along my side, selling, saying, "Dad, Grandpa, let them know that I'm here." He's here with us as <laughs> Hi well. Hi to all of the kiddos, yes, out there who don't have school tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> Number do not, and uh, William is among them, so uh-huh. we, he is with us in the studio tonight. Now, those disciples that. They didn't understand it. They kept thinking, what could he possibly mean by that? I mean, he must mean some some philosophical, some spiritual truth or meaning he's trying to give it. That uh, What could he possibly mean? They, 
And we don't really have much patience with him because we say, he said he's going to rise again, and you they didn't believe him. Well, you know, I, think I, I too, get it. You, this is coming off of him raising Lazarus. Yeah. And it's also coming off of the triumphal entry. And so there's also maybe though just the chance that maybe it's not so much that they didn't understand what might happen or what was, but maybe they didn't think it would happen Surely not after he has, has raised someone from the dead. In other words, he's coming off of what they would think are wins, as, as you know, as, and so maybe it's just the elders and the leadership and the people went from praising him to crucifying him. I mean, yeah. it went from Hosanna, Hosanna to crucify, crucify him, him yeah. very quickly. Pretty quick, and, yeah, no um, doubt about that. Mm-hmm. And, but. But I have a little patience with them, I think, a little bit more than maybe I used to, that when you talk, it's real. When we're talking about, you know, how many of us have been to a funeral? I know you have. You know, we've seen family members. And I remember when I was uh, when I was eight years old, the woman that I thought had been my mother, uh, birth mother, died in a car accident. And the chaplain at the boys home, the orphanage or Boys, home for boys that I grew up in, took me to the funeral, and that was I was eight years old, about seven or eight years old. I had just made my own commitment to God and to receive Christ as my Savior only a few months before, but I'd been you know studying the Bible and listening to uh, Chaplain Roars. Uh, he would teach us. Jesus had the power to break up a funeral. You know, he interrupted more than a more than a few funerals, and uh, by raising the the dead person from you know to life. And so I had I had watched him, and and so and read the story. So when I went to my mother's funeral, I was um, you know first time I'd ever seen a dead body. Uh, they took you know you go you know you go to the mm-hmm. to the. Uh, casket and you view the departed loved one or a friend and when I did I mean I was just eight years old but I'd read the stories and I thought well maybe I could so I said I looked down into the casket and I said under my breath I said in the name of Jesus Christ rise she didn't rise and of course it didn't bother me a whole lot I didn't spend a great deal of time wondering you know why it didn't happen but yeah, I guess I probably figured, well, if if she had risen from the dead, there'd probably be 50 more dead people in the room <laughs> from heart attacks. But I, I don't know. I, I didn't, you know, it didn't bother me a great deal. I figured maybe I just didn't say it right or I didn't believe or whatever. But the point was, uh, I, as I grew older, I realized it, it just doesn't happen. You know, the, the, this is no, no small thing, the well, idea that a yeah. dead person comes back to life. And well, Jesus said he was going that, to do that. What's interesting, I mean, I, it, it doesn't happen, I guess. Uh, and yet we all, it, who hasn't had, had a prayer like that before? Yeah. Know? And maybe not necessarily about a loved one that's passed away, but if they have, it's probably because they just haven't had a loved one like that pass away yet. Um on behalf of our um, friends yeah, or uh, others, yeah, we have. Old, it's kind of the ultimate. Um, oh, please, please bring them back. Please, I mean, it, you know, that is that's so much of what our prayer life, really, in large part, centers around. Is yeah, really, con- conquer. This it is death. the last great enemy yeah. of of uh, uh, that we have uh, as human beings. It, of course, 
we wrestle against our old natures, our selfishness, against our greed, against our uh, lust, or against you know the the we know that there are these things in our lives that we, but but the last great enemy is that one called death, yeah, and the grave. And but so. you say that nobody comes back. How do you explain things? People talk about like near death experiences, or they claim to have been dead, dead. but then. You know, yeah, doctors well, and stuff no, brought no. them back. I find them very, very. I find them very interesting. Great illusions, the great dreams, the great desires of humanity through the centuries. That, wow! If we could, I mean, if you go to any to the Amazon jungle or you go to the Native American cultures here on North America, every culture we've ever found have some kind of not only a belief in. A deity or a god, uh, normally related to creation of the seasons and the sun, the moon, the stars, the observable world around us, but they have some kind of ritual to write about those yeah, who die. Uh-huh. And they, they, you find uh, archaeologists find their burial places, and they they're dressed for a banquet, or they're dressed for battle, or they're dressed for hunting, or they're going to the happy hunting ground. You know, the, the Native American uh, sort of idea. And um, so we, no, no, it's, I'm not saying it's not a back right. to life. Especially it, after three days in, in, the, yeah, in the grave. Three or, days in, in, dead. Uh-huh. And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about it because the last chapters of John, and that's why we're here with this is called the Bible Live. And we have just finished reading uh, chapters 10 through 21 of the Gospel of John. And the uh, the last portion of John, almost uh, almost two thirds of the Gospel of John, is dedicated to his last week mm-hmm. in this world. His last week there, when he arrived in Jerusalem, as you said, with the triumphal entry, and then and then after that final week of his life. And so uh, we uh, we read those, and we're going to discuss them. And of course, the centerpiece of that. Uh, not not the whole thing. There, there was some very striking other teaching it will cover in the, go- in the Gospel of John. Chapter we're reading always to read about the resurrection here around the Easter time and, and the birth of Jesus around from the Gospel of Matthew around the uh, time of Christmas. And so uh, we, we read about the resurrection and we're going to talk about it uh, as, as an event as a historical event, and uh, kind of establish what are the historical evidence, evidences that we have that Jesus of Nazareth actually did, not just a, a spirit legend or not just a kind of a spiritual story, but really, truly came back from the dead. And in significance, it wasn't just to put on a show, it wasn't just... It, it it had a theological reason in the providence of God, in the redemptive plan of God. And uh, so we're going to talk about it tonight. And if so, if you have a friend or someone who might like to like to hear, or maybe they've voiced doubts, maybe they've voiced uh, unbelief about, well, the, that just couldn't happen. You know, no, people just don't rise from the dead. We're going to talk about why it is believed and why it was preached from the first century until now, 2,000 years later, that Jesus rose. It's not just a figure of speech. It's not just a pretty story and a legend that kind of feels good. 
but that it really, really happened. And it's, it's crucial that it really happened because the early believers themselves said if it, if it didn't happen, really, truly happen, then all of our faith is in vain. It, it's, all, it, it's totally untrue. We have nothing. We of all people are most miserable. And so philosophical argument, it's not a matter of just kind of believing what we want to believe, but it, it had to have really happened. And that's the way it was presented. That's the way Paul, that's the way the other disciples, as they began to proclaim, that's what transformed their lives. Before the resurrection, they were, they were scared. They were in hiding. They were cowardly. They, were, they, had not, they did not have the character of courage and bravery that they would go out, that they demonstrated later. They were in hiding, and then they saw the risen Jesus and it transformed the, uh, and affirming the resurrection of Jesus. He is risen. He is alive. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And, and you know, how many people would die for what you know is a lie? You know, I mean, right. all they really had to do was recant and say, oh, well, you know, we just made it up, or I thought he did. Or, and there are all kinds of theories about hallucination, all of them, <laughs> you know, the, all the disciples and all the 500 people who witnessed the risen Christ, they all had the same uh, hallucination, and of course, which which doesn't happen either. That's not particularly um, <laughs> likely either. But uh, we have, we're looking, we're going to look at the evidences tonight surrounding the event of the death and then the burial and resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. So uh, true to the scriptures, though, that's what we're here for. We're going through the Bible each and every year, every verse, every chapter, every book of the Bible. It's read entirely. Uh, You can go to our website, thebiblelive.com, or just biblelive.com if you want. Opening page, we read through the entire Bible every year, every uh, every you'll find the current week that we're in. What readings we just finished? Like I said, the Gospel of John. We're going back. We, in fact, Friday, uh, Good Friday, we sh- we went back to the Hebrew Scriptures and picked up in the Book of First Kings. We're going to be reading First and Second Kings uh, from the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Old Testament, and then we'll come back and pick up after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll pick up now at the God, at the Book of Acts, uh, the birth of the, the the church, the birth of those of the followers of Jesus of Nazareth and how the church was born and uh, began to grow and expand across the Roman Empire. So we'll see that in the book of Acts, and then we'll go back and pick up the books of First and Second Chronicles. So that's what we do. We rotate and um, kind of go back and forth between the Old and New Testaments, but make our way straight through both uh, of the book of the Testaments of the Bible, and we read the entire Bible every year. And you can join us on that journey every year. Just any time you li- start listening to us, every time you join us, uh, like way through the Bible, back to the Gospel of John, and you will have read through the through the entire Bible with us. So join us, if you will. Uh, We would love to have you join us. And then here on Sunday night, we get a chance to discuss, talk about, answer questions, have uh, learn and and, um, review some of what we read in the week before. And in this case, as I said, we're going to focus on the Gospel of John. Uh, My daughter Stacy is here with us. Our phone number is 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. That's our phone number. You can join us. Call us tonight. Talk to us about uh, your own understanding of the resurrection. Talk to us about what it means to you. 
uh, talk to us about maybe that you doubted it like so many have and did. Uh, Maybe you have uh, discovered some things about it that you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. We're talking tonight about the final chapters of the gospel. What do you do with the resurrection? What does it mean to you? I mean, obviously, I I know to some degree the answer to the question. Obviously, it's going to be something important to you and something you celebrate at some level. And so, but on just on a personal level, now as you you're growing, you've grown up in the Lord as from you know a little girl in, in our home and family and so on and. What do you what do you make of it now? And uh, do you feel anything particularly special? Maybe something even this year that you discovered that has been impressive to you about this death. Necessarily, but and, uh, but maybe this year just kind of a reminder, or, or what has been um, what has stood out to me, I guess, and a truth that I've known a while, but stood out is uh, is that that it is finished aspect i mean just the the resting in the resurrection resting in the truth that he he did it he he really conquered <laughs> he it already and um, i love that he did it he did i mean that's, that's yeah. the common vernacular for he right. risen he did it he did it he and himself said it's finished it's finished i did yeah. Yeah. and there's just such um there's such peace in that. There always has been, but I mean, it's just seems so unrestful and a lot of uncertainty and worry and COVID and chaos, um, and of, chaos of all sure, kinds, right? And the market and inflation now and all sorts of, and the real estate, you know, I mean, just kind of that when it feels as if the world is kind of closing in. Um, I always think of, you know, in the last battle, C.S. Lewis, and the children eventually get, uh, they're cornered into that barn, remember, into the stable, and and it gets smaller and smaller, Mm -hmm. and as the world does feel like it's closing in, just the reminder that, um, that it's, it's, it is finished. He, he did already conquer death, and what's the worst that could happen? The, the worst has already been defeated. And so you really are free to live in that um, assurance. And in this world, when you go from a larger space into something, that that what you enter into is smaller than the, the other space that you just left. In other words, mm-hmm. you uh, go from... And, you know, you, you go into a country, and the country is smaller than the world. And then you go into a state in our country, and mm. that state is smaller than the United States. And so then you go, go into, into a city. And then you go into a city, and or the city county is smaller than city. Texas, yeah, mm-hmm. yes. And then you go into a neighborhood, and the neighborhood is smaller than the city. You go into a house, and that house is smaller than the neighborhood. You go into your room in that house, and that room is smaller than the house. And, and then you go smaller, into a closet. And it's really <laughs> small. And, uh, and he says heaven is... and and. Where where we live in His kingdom, it's opposite. And the further and the more, the deeper, the higher, the more fuller, the fuller, the richer, and uh, it's further just, in and higher yes, up. Yes, yes. And so uh, it just is the sweet, you know, when it feels as if uh, and death kind of seems like the ultimate suffocation, kind of the ultimate. It is. Uh-huh, yeah. And and yet he flips that around and. He offers instead of you know instead of a tomb being something that's suffocating, it's it's the ultimate freedom, 
And uh, I think that's probably just resting in that and and that assurance in this kind of time has. And that is the ultimate comfort. The ultimate assurance is is because that there is there is. Oh, I hate to use the phrase iron curtain because that's already been used, right? Somebody already invented that. Uh, okay, there is a there is a a thick thick curtain between this world that we live in and the spiritual realm, right. the dimension of, of 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 God and the angels and and the uh, we we can't break through. We, uh, people try. I remember Houdini tried to. He said he put had him. I think it was Houdini that put a little bell. Do you remember this, John, or not? About Houdini, the magician, who put a little bell outside his tomb, and the whole he, he studied greatly the, the afterlife, and he tried to. He said, "I'm going to, I'm going to ring that bell to let you know that there is life after." You know, there are all kinds of attempts through the centuries that people have had to try to connect, try to penetrate that curtain, and find out what is there for sure. What, mm-hmm. uh, and and we just can't do it. it. We've not been able to. Now I know you said that some people. You know, they have the true to a great extent. They do. Now, there are a few exceptions, but yeah, but yeah. But then, of course, everyone explains it away and says, well, you know, they they didn't really die or it was the brain kind of playing jokes. And and there is a curtain there that no matter. I mean, I know these those are said, but it's it's kind of an impenetrable barrier. And, And so. This one, though, this event breaks that. This this one actually went clearly dead, proclaimed dead by two professional execution, uh, executioners. Uh, Jesus of Nazareth was crucifixion and death and the burial resurrection of Jesus. And historically, uh, he was dead. And he said he'd come back, and, and he did. And he had an impact that just transformed the world of his time, the people of his time, and, of course, centuries later, has brought that hope that we all long for, every culture, every every person around the, the earth. I've been, not all, every nation, every culture, but I've been to so many of them now that I realize that every culture, every human beings everywhere long for that assurance, for that one. We are spirit. We sense and know that we are spirit beings and we want to know, is right. is and, there a spiritual realm? Well, and more than, and maybe we'll talk about it when we come back, because mm-hmm. we're about to hit our music in the break. But, I mean, it wasn't just conquering physical death. As, right. As incredible and as amazing as that is, and as long that physical death, it was that spiritual um, the, the spiritual separation and the spiritual... Exactly. Um, and, and, yet, and yet it had... It's great. If it were just spiritual, it would all, oh, that's just spiritual talking about. Right. But, but it came down, and which, in the real world that we live in, the evidence was there. Which harkens back to John's opening words, um, and well, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Same thing. Uh, that spiritual and the physical. Yeah. You say exactly right. We're going to talk about it, all about the resurrection. You can join with us. Your experience about the raising up from the dead of Jesus of Nazareth. Love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. The Bible Live will be back in just a couple of minutes, so don't you dare go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Day by day. Oh, dear Lord. 
Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Healthy Festival Day. Blessed day to be hallowed forever. Day when our Lord was raised, breaking the kingdom of death. This is the Bible Live. All the fair beauty of earth, from the death of the winter arising, every earth, hear the festival day. Blessed day to be hallowed forever. Day when our Lord was raised, breaking the kingdom. All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live, this special day of the year when around the planet Earth, all around the planet Earth, uh, uh, millions, even billions of people gather and they worship the true and living God and the Messiah, the Savior he sent to our world. It's so thrilling for me to think that. Now, every Sunday, to some degree, at some level, is a celebration of resurrection. That's the reason we moved from worship on the Sabbath from the dead. And so every Sunday, to some, at some level, in some ways, we celebrate every day, in fact, we celebrate the, the, the risen uh, Savior. Uh, but this day of the year, all around the planet, billions and billions. Remember King David, people, every language, every tongue, every tribe, and, and he prayed that because it was always about the whole world. It was never about just one little group and one. And David knew this and understood that. And those, those true followers, mature followers of the true living God, they knew that it was all about the whole world. God lo- lo- so loved the world that he gave his son. And so we, uh, we, we see that this, it, this, the answer to his prayer. David never saw the whole world, you know, get, but here in our times, we get to see that in Mongolia, China, India, Singapore, down in Latin America, all across the, to every corner of, of the world. There are believers. There are those who know and follow Jesus of Nazareth, the Savior. And uh, it's just so, it's so thrilling. I've been in little, uh, I've been in tents where people worship and prayed to the Lord from tents and uh, over in Mongolia to little home churches in India to big cathedrals and large and small around this uh the God was worshiped and and people who are who have come to new life through faith and trust in Jesus the Messiah uh we we celebrate with them what a, what a special day it is it really is we had a great time out at Lackland this morning our second Sunday back in action as the crew military and our ministry with the basic trainees at Lackland Air Force Base. Uh, as you know, folks, all the uh, Lackland is the gateway to the Air Force. All, every enlisted person, uh, basic trainee, has to basic trainees and sharing the gospel with them and helping them grow and be strong, laying a foundation for spiritual maturity and growth. It's just a thrilling thing. And we're, we just started again after two years of absence at, at, due to covid we just started last Sunday, and today we almost tripled our attendance from last week, and we're growing and getting our steam back. And we we'll hopefully get back to the point where we're having a thousand or two thousand every Sunday, like we did before. Come take that with us. We thank the Lord for that open door again, and uh, we'll continue. But also, just 
pray for our world. We, we need we need the power of the risen Savior to be manifest and seen in our world. And I, I believe revival could happen. God could be there. It, it's we don't look for a majority. We just need a faithful, concerted, and fervent remnant who's willing to proclaim and live the gospel uh, that we have that we find witness to in the scriptures and we find in our own relationship with God through Christ. Stacy, you were going to say something about the evidence around the resurrection, but you had a thought. Do you remember what it was? Oh, well, I had just, uh, you know, of course it was amazing and incredible enough that he conquered physical death and that he rose from the dead. Um, but it, it's not, you know, Lazarus rose from the dead as well. Or, mm-hmm. um, and there have been, you know, others maybe that even... Uh, or thought that they had is, as, as amazing as that is as far as Jesus uh, it was more than that though it wasn't just that it was the spiritual um, death that he uh, that 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 we are saved from and, yeah. and, and both like you said though but manifest physically and I think that that's the beauty of John's gospel especially is that very profound opening statement that he became flesh that God and the wisdom, the word, the logos became flesh and made his He came to our world us. and manifested. Yes. These are not so just not, spiritual yes. truth world with right. real events. So it wasn't just that he conquered death. It's who, who was this that conquered mm-hmm. death? And was, why? And, and, what, and are the, why? what are the consequences? Yes, yeah. and I, uh, our pastor uh, today you know, for Easter service, of course, and we had communion. And um, But I do love, he had, uh, as far as the Last Supper, Maundy Thursday and the uh, last supper you do this and and the words of communion do this in remembrance of me mm-hmm. with his disciples i mean the last supper and what he chose his, the reinterpretation of the passover the, meal right yeah. right mm-hmm. yes and um but do this in remembrance of me and and do what what was it exactly in remembrance it was eat eat, was eat and drink eat yeah. and drink essentially and uh which when your family gets together and you're mm-hmm. celebrating a, a birthday or some special event or a wedding right what we do, we gather around the table, we eat, we share. And it's also something we do every day, hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> hopefully, mm-hmm. and uh, and something so also normal, um, and yet so profound and sustains us. I mean, mm-hmm. and that, and the, and uh, I just thought that was a neat, you know, in what other uh, religion, what in what other story would would it be that the Savior would say, do this? You know, a lot of times you would. Um, or have this in remembrance of me, or, or, or run, a mile, run a mile every day. In remembrance <laughs> of me, right? But Jesus says, "Eat, eat and drink in remembrance of me." And uh, I right. just thought that was a that is sweet. That's a, yep. something. But um, yeah, so I, w- I guess my uh, thoughts on would be not just the physical. Uh, what if he said, "Do fifty push-ups every in day"? In remembrance of me. <laughs> okay, uh, but I probably should eat and drink. <laughs> yeah, we're especially probably all the eating and drinking I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, let's get back to the, uh, the Gospel of John at chapters ten through twenty. The some really high points that we talked about. Uh, we, we see these two sisters. Uh, you mentioned it already that uh, come quartered in the north of, of Israel, yeah. Yeah. up near Capernaum at the at the top of the uh, Sea of Galilee, uh, as had been predicted and prophesied that would be where his ministry would headquarter. Well, he comes back down now for the final time to Jerusalem, 
Uh, if I think, if I remember correctly, it's about three or four times he visited Jerusalem during he was going for his final visit. He told his disciples. He knew what he was walking into. Uh, he told them for sure what was going to happen. And in some ways, he, in fact, not only walked into it, but provoked it. He, right. he, by raising Lazarus from the dead. By, yeah. That was one of the things, because it said after the, John chapter 11, after after this, they made plans to kill him yeah. because they knew that after this, there's no stopping popularity. The popularity. The people would this would be removed, and so we have these two sisters uh, who are the sisters of Lazarus, mm-hmm. uh, and, and evidently family friends. And I am impressed by the fact that of all the people surrounding Jesus who heard about the fact that he was going to die and be resurrected and so on. It, I knew you'd like that, <laughs> but it's funny. Remember the, the the woman who came and bowed yeah. at his feet and, oh, yeah. and washed his feet and dried his feet with her hair and, and poured upon his feet a uh, uh, precious. They seemed to get it. They seemed to understand. It was the women to whom Jesus first declared and revealed his resurrection mm-hmm. to the women who went back to the tomb on on that Sunday morning, uh, and and found the tomb empty and ran to tell the disciples. He is risen. He's not there. They've taken, you know, uh, and maybe they didn't quite, they've taken his body or whatever, but no, no, that's what they told the gardener. They've taken his body. We don't know where they've laid it. And he said, Mary. Wow, that's precious, right? (laughs) And, uh, but so very interesting that all that story. But these two women figured among the followers and friends called 210-340-9585. What were these two sisters' names? They were sisters to Lazarus, uh, and they. we read the story in John chapter 11 where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, over life and death, uh, as only God is, and acknowledge. And Jesus, once again, is claiming a right. He's claiming a prerogative, an authority, a power that belongs only to God, and he claims it for himself, uh, a, a very clear um, Claim, uh, claim of deity, claim to be the Messiah. I mean, if you'd like to give us the answer uh, and share a bit about that, and maybe uh, something it might mean to you, give us a call, 210-340-9585. And let me ask you this question. Why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Uh, let me, it was, on, it was intentional, and he had healed others that were sick. He got plenty of time, but he delayed, in, in, intentionally delayed till he was dead. And even the two sisters said, Lord, why didn't you come earlier? If you had come, he wouldn't have died. Mm-hmm. And and so he he delivered from the dead. You can look in uh, chapter 11, verse 15. He reveals why he did that. So if you can answer either of those questions, who are the two sisters and why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead? Give us a call, 210 340 85. Okay, let's go on. We <laughs> There's one question here that uh-huh. just makes me laugh. Um, I, can, can I throw out one more question? Sure, of course. Okay, so uh, you know which one I'm going to ask. So when Jesus washes the disciples' feet, um, which of the disciples objected first? Like, why are you, you know, what? But then later asked for a bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, then in that case, well, not yeah, just, Jesus I, watched the, when Jesus washed the disciples' feet, which disciple objected at first, uh, but then later asked for a bath? <laughs> I that, was funny. Yeah, that is. You know, it's almost unfortunate that more 
of our congregations don't. It's a tremendous example of the servant nature of Jesus, that, that he would humble himself, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer of everything that exists, bowing down and washing the feet of his disciples. I mean, what a... I mean, I could see kind of why that one disciple said, oh, no, you can't, you can't, no, watch, right? Right. oh, yeah, that's, you too, yeah, that's, is a, a very beautiful picture. And I, I've always appreciated that simple ritual. I, I know that some congregations still, some denominations yeah. still practice that as a, as a symbol of servanthood. You know, they mm-hmm. wash the, the, the elders or the pastor wash the feet of the, of the, of uh, the values of heaven, of a servanthood nature. Uh, of, of the kingdom of God. Well, okay, we've got that. Um, now let's see. Uh, let's go to John, I, I believe it's chapter 14. Okay. We need to talk about one of the disciples in particular that figures the total um, story of Jesus' final days, his final week, his death, his resurrection. And this, this one of his disciples named Thomas he he kind of has a a bad rap among believers and yet to some would say well he was just a realist you know he he just he was the one that maybe he really did understand what Jesus is saying and he was saying well now wait a minute you know, what what is this uh, all about and uh remember when Jesus and John John chapters 14 15 and 16 Stacy are some of the most beautiful chapters yeah. in all three of those chapters Jesus talks about his his final days, his death. He's going to rise again, and he's going to depart. Why? So that the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit. In the redemptive plan, his role was finishing his role and his purpose and his contribution to the redemptive work of God. And now he is ascending to be in the presence of the Father again. He is the prototype of the believer, as we've said often, the firstborn of the twiceborn. Mm-hmm. He is the he is the second Adam, the last Adam. Now he is the progenitor, the race of the redeemed. And now Jesus has gone to glory. He is the prototype. Whatever is true of him, now in Christ is going is true. Now, yeah. daughters of God, and we are cleansed. We are made perfect through him and his finished work. Mm-hmm. We now have come into that place. And so, but but he is now ascended to the Father. And he said, I'm going to send a paraclete, one who's going to come alongside you and, and escort you and, and be your faithful, unfailing. The Spirit of God has come to, to walk alongside spiritually, be our escort and our guide to glory. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. Chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John. And they're really called the paraclete, which in Greek means the one who comes alongside. We have uh, the the comforter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, the Holy Spirit is called. He is another just like me, Jesus said, uh, the, mm-hmm. another uh, person of the Godhead of the Trinity. And he has now come, the Holy Spirit. And this, the disciples did not understand him at this time. Acts in chapter 2, we see that the Spirit comes to the believers. It's starting a new era, the era, the time of the church. And God's people now, hundreds of thousands and millions and now billions of believers around the planet. And each of us indwelt by the Spirit of God and being able to introduce our friends and neighbors and family members 
of people at work being able now sending you to live out and carry the message of redemption that you, men and women can be re reconciled to God. And so just it's a powerful truth in chapters 14, 15, and 16, uh, the, the work personally to the unbelieving world. The Holy Spirit, he is the one, the agent of the new birth. He's the one that convicts the world. He says in, in John chapter 16, uh, uh, verse 8, he says he convinces and influences non-believers by convincing them of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Thus of our sin, of our of our selfishness, of our of our of our unworthiness, us, and that we will be held accountable. We're given a right, an opportunity to be made righteous mm -hmm. uh, in, by in Christ, and the Holy Spirit reveals that to a lost world. And He is the one who draws us, shows us our need of a Savior, and draws us to the Messiah, and then the, the agent of the new birth. Yes. Mm -hmm. Was that what you say then? The, the, the conscience the common uh, grace mm, kind of yeah there is a conscience but the, no, okay. the conscience the conscience is the world of, of uh, to some degree it might be a, by nurture uh, by nature you know, it could be genetic in some sensitivity and uh, mm -hmm. sensitivity to others and, and so on <laughs> right. but it's really a, our, our sense of right and wrong mm -hmm. we've come to understand that the, and and we begin to form let's say five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age in that range, we begin to get the sense of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And then we form those those opinions and those thoughts and those that emotional pattern. And when we violate what we have come to think as right and wrong, yeah. then we have that the guilt kicks in. I don't know if it's hormonal or it might be moral or, or ethic ethical responses mm -hmm. that we learn mm -hmm. and we may pick them up for our culture we may pick them up for our family and friends and our own personal experiences but that's the conscience now the holy spirit can appeal to that and mm -hmm. the guilt that is there or the understanding that we realize i i, I really mm -hmm. I'm, I'm selfish or i've done yeah. spirit of god is a person who who works and guides us and, and influences us and appeals to, and and escorts us he's got jesus says he guides us into all truth uh he he he's the down payment on god's ultimate redemptive plan for us so chapters 14 15 and 16 about the holy spirit are really precious if you have questions teen we have this high priestly prayer of jesus himself praying for his followers the for those then who followed him but through the ages, those that would follow him through their witness and testimony. So chapter 17 is a beautiful, beautiful chapter where he talks about, Father, bring them into, from eternity past, bring them to into that oneness love relationship with us and with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, powerful, powerful chapter 17 of the Gospel of John. So... Uh, we're coming now to the end of the time taken for trial. We'll talk about that in its final, uh, our final segment coming up. There are six trials that Jesus endures in the course of, of one 24-hour period uh, overnight. Jesus is carried through six different trials. Uh, he is one is before Annas the high priest. Another was before Caiaphas. His moment. The third was before the Sanhedrin. The fourth before Pilate. The fifth before Herod. The sixth was back before Pilate, where he then was 
delivered over to Roman authorities. There were three Jewish trials and three Roman trials, and, and all of them at some levels, to some degree, were illegal. They were in that legal uh, setting. Well, that's it. We'll come back now and finish our consideration of the, then the, the surrounding of historical setting of this event we call the resurrection. Don't go away. The Bible Live will be right back. risen indeed this is the final segment now of the bible live broadcast for this evening on this easter sunday and we invite you to give us a call 210-340-9585 we have a couple of questions out there that we put uh let's go ahead and answer those just so that folks if maybe some people are wondering who are these two sisters you know them as mary and martha the this one the sweetest one of the sweetest story you know john chapter 11 uh, Lord, if you hadn't delayed, you could have healed him. And, and uh, don't you know, you know, but he had a plan, you know, don't worry. Um, and Jesus wept. And, and John eleven thirty five, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Uh, it, it is precious, isn't that it? That is sweet, yeah. He knows he's the solution. He yeah. knows he can raise, he can destroy and disturb this this funeral, even after it's already taken place for uh, Anyway, and yet he weeps. I, 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 I'm wondering in some ways why we, it wasn't his own grief. He knew what he could do. He knew about life and death and, and so on. I, I suppose he saw the grief of, the, of those around, these loved ones that, that he knew, uh, and he understood their grief and their sadness. I, I, I somehow think perhaps that is it. But Jesus well, wept. He real, and I mean... He wasn't unfamiliar, I'm sure, with death. I mean, he's no. 30, 33 years old at this point. His own father has probably passed mm-hmm. away. I mean, he's That's experienced. True. Um, it's just, a, I guess it's never been written down like this. But um, I'm, you get the sense that he's wept before. This isn't the first time he has wept. And, and he, I mean, they call him the man of sorrows, even. Uh-huh. But, yeah, I've always... Uh, uh, especially uh, appreciated that it's touching, aspect. isn't it? Yeah. Yes, no and doubt. that his friend. I mean, it's it's also one thing when it's your family, or but this was a friend, and like you said, I just um, yeah being able to identify with the loss, not his family, 
but friends who have lost family. Anyway. Their grief. Yes. And why grief. did Jesus yeah. raise Lazarus from the dead? It tells us there in, in uh, chapter 11 of the Gospel of John, it tells us that he, when he prays, he said, Lord, so that, you're, so that these here will believe and that others will believe. It was, it was clearly evangelistic. It was, uh, it was to heighten their faith and their understanding uh, of who he was and contributing. Uh, it was an important step in his own ministry because after this, we, we've already established, they, they had determined that he had to die. They had to remove him because he was going to be a problem. After, but also for his disciples. It's so interesting, though, that they, that they, here he raised someone from the dead, and so they were like, oh, he needs to die then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe, maybe in hindsight, that's not the best thing to do, <laughs> yeah, considering this one seems to have power over death. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's even, it either, it's even counterintuitive, counter, it, it goes against logic. It's I mean, amazing. Instead of, well, he did, he must be the Messiah. You know that would. That would wait a minute. There's sense. something wrong here. We're, we're uh, but no, he has to be removed. Uh, but you know what? We believe what we want to believe. Yeah. Ultimately, interesting, right? And whatever the motives, and we. And that they thought yeah. that that would have. I guess they. It's it's also. Uh, they I guess figured death was more powerful than <laughs> this than this. Yeah. They really didn't understand they what really they were unleashing here. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, but what, what isn't, but, uh, you know, and I guess maybe that's an interesting t- as far as Jesus, why he did it so that his disciples would believe in him. I mean, but one of his disciples was Judas. So exactly right. An, uh, well, I was going to point that out. That's uh-huh. important because that, we often think, well, the Jews, they didn't believe. This is not a thing about the Jews. Uh-huh. It's not about as a people group, as a culture, or most on an ethnic group or anything. It's not that, because all of his followers, he himself is a Jew, uh-huh. and all of his followers of the early converts were Jewish as well. So this isn't about whether well, Jews rejected. Some did, some didn't. Uh-huh. Of his own disciples. Almost all did at some level. They finally kind of came to maturity and their understanding and their faith, but one didn't. You know, so it. This we've got to be careful about painting with this broad brush. All the Jews that there have been millions, and there are today even millions of, of men and women, Jewish men and women, who know and believe and trust that Jesus was that Messiah, long-awaited, predicted Messiah uh, uh, of of the Hebrew Scriptures. So that. Let's, I think we ought to be careful about the broad generalities, especially the use of words like, well, the Jews, they don't believe. They're just like any other group. Some do, some don't. Some believe, some don't. And, and it isn't a matter of those who are reverent and those who are religious don't. And those, that's not true either. Yeah, there are many very committed uh, Jewish scholars who believe and know and follow Jesus and know him to be the Messiah. So that said, I, I I want us to look at what are what is the what is the surrounding evidence? What are the surrounding events? Now remember, the resurrection is to be considered not as some philosophical sort of uh, ritualistic or uh, symbolic sort of a thing. This was the bodily resurrection of a human being who had been publicly killed and declared officially to be killed by two professional executioners. He was dead, cold dead, 
uh, wrapped up, the, and we'll look at the setting here, and he is, and he comes back to life. So what is that setting? I mentioned there, there are six trials that take place. There is a real crucifixion. If you're, if you're wondering what the crucifixion was like, uh, you can watch The Passion of the Christ or others that, show that tend to show a little bit more uh, in depth what the crucifixion uh, was about and how it took place. Uh, so you can see those and see what really happened uh, at the, in a crucifixion. We see the beating with the uh, cat of nine tails, the whips, and we know what that did and how it tore the flesh uh, the, uh, of, of the individuals. So we know about the, the torture. We know that he endured. Uh, and then we know about his time on the cross. The breaking of his legs was for to hasten his death. They wanted to hasten the death of these uh, these three people who were being crucified because the the Sabbath was coming and they he needed to, to hasten his death before the, the Sabbath began, and so we saw that. But then they found when they came to Jesus, he was already dead, and so they didn't need to break his de- bones, which completed another prophecy in the Old Testament that his bones would not be broken, uh, like the, like the atoning lamb for for. The Seder, you know, the Passover, the lambs, the bones were not to be broken. With this, his bones are not broken. Fulfilled the prophecy there. Uh, Psalm 22 is fulfilled there on the cross, the vision that we have. And and so we we see the death. We see him taken down by Joseph of Arimathea and placed in a borrowed tomb, in a wealthy tomb. Now we get to that point, and we're going to talk about the setting. A solid rock tomb. A, 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 a one and a half to two ton stone, and this is calcul- engineers who have uh, who have calculated the size of a stone to cover a four and a half to five feet uh, opening on, of a tomb, a customarium. Those times, the 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 rock was rolled down an incline and over the covering of the of the uh, tomb, one and a half to two ton, and the 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 the, the um, Roman seal was placed on it with a death verdict for anyone who removed it or, or cut it. There was a Roman guard placed in it because his enemies remembered that he said he was going to rise, and they were afraid that his his cowardly, <laughs> untrained fisherman buddies were going to come and battle the Roman guard and take the body to, and then say he rose. Uh, uh, that was, and so they, that's the reason they asked for a guard to be placed, whether it was a temple guard or a Roman guard. They were very, very capable of uh, defending that terrain. So you have the stone, you have the seal, you have the guard, you have the solid stone tomb, uh, and you have 75 pounds of of incense and fragrance, uh, aromatic spices placed in in the linen cloth around him uh, that was later found to be empty, kind of caved in. Uh, He was gone. He wasn't there. Remember the disciples saw that, that they had that it was empty. He had been there like it was a cocoon that had been an empty shell that had been left empty. And so we have all of this background. We have this, these, we don't go into great, great detail. I would recommend to you a number of different books. Who Moved the Stone was one, uh, and I forget the name of that. Uh, um, the, there was a, there's a Chicago Tribune, I think, uh, uh, a reporter who was agnostic and unbelieving who tried to disprove the resurrection. And, and uh, Josh McDowell's book called uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, all of these give a great amount of, of evidence and a great amount of, of um, information about the historical setting 
of the the resurrection scene. So I would recommend any of those if you'd like to look more in depth. The evidence is is so very, very, very powerful and, and very, very uh, conclusive and convincing. Uh, I think that Jesus has indeed conquered death, hell, and the grave, and that indeed uh, our hope is founded on reality, on, on truth. In fact, he, that, that, that curtain that we talked about between life and death has been uh, pierced, it has been broken, and we can, we can have that certainty uh, for each of our own lives as well. We can be ready to live. Why? Because we're ready to die. It, death doesn't isn't that great depth, so we're ready. Let's go to our telephone. I know that we have a uh, we have a listener who wants to visit with us. I believe his name is Reuben. Reuben is on the line with us, and we'd like to hear from you, Reuben. Good. Thank you for calling in. Hi. Good evening. Good to evening. Um, you. Uh, I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. At all. You're among friends, Reuben. <laughs> I, I wanted to, to answer a question that I don't think anybody answered, and then I also wanted to give a little observation, sure. if I may. Wonderful. The question, the question you asked mm-hmm. about uh, who were the two uh, uh, ladies? Yes. Um, it was Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha. Sweet, sweet Mary and Martha. They were interesting yeah. sisters, weren't they? They were. They're very. They're yeah. just like sisters. They're they're sisters. They love each other, but they're very close. But they're very different. They have each have their own personalities. Can you speak to that a little bit, Reuben? How how do you, when you when you think of Mary and Martha, do you remember something of their their character or their personalities? Characteristics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't think the Bible ever says how old they were, but I kind of, in my mind, liken them with the twins. Uh-huh. Um, Interesting. They, they were, yeah, yeah. They were, they were close, of course, because they were siblings. But uh, when Mary was washing Jesus' feet and Martha was feeding everybody and washing the dishes and sweeping and, you know, kicking the dog out of the house because it kept coming in and, you know, <laughs> and, yes. and uh, Martha kind of got upset and said, man, Jesus, hey, she's, can't you tell her to do what she's supposed to do? But, you know, and, yeah, you know, just that kind of like. Help me fix the meal. Yeah. 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 That, that little sisterly banter that they would have. At least that's mm-hmm. what I would think. But, yeah. But yeah. So yeah, Mary, but, uh, Mary was giving the priority of visiting with Jesus and talking and being with him and being with the people and the friends. He was a people person. Uh, and, and Martha was a detailed person who wanted to make sure there were plenty of dishes and everybody had something to eat and to take care of the, you know, the, 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 the hostess duties and so on. Yeah. I can see either one of them being, you know, both were responsible and both were, I, I can, I can appreciate either one. But evidently, uh, I think maybe Jesus valued and said to Martha, "You know, look at your she's you're concerned with all these details, and that's important. But she's got the priority right that I am with you, and, and she's spending time with me and with people. Uh, that's kind of yeah. what I get. But uh, no, so yeah. you, you got that right. It was Mary and Martha, the two sisters of Lazarus, and this was a home that Jesus visited quite often, actually, on his way." journeys to Jerusalem and so on. And uh, they were friends. And, uh, and Sue Stacy has already mentioned that, you know, maybe for this reason, then he wept knowing that his friends were missing their loved one, their brother. 
and uh, so it was a very it was very intimate. It wasn't just a a, a sideshow that Jesus was putting on. This was it had an intimacy involved. There was real friendship and real yeah. love involved. That's why he wept, I guess. But what else were you going to add? Oh, Ruben? You, you were going to mention something else. That, an observation. You oh said. yes, Re- really quickly. Uh, today, as I was reading the whole story about um, about uh, the crucifixion and the Last Supper and everything, um, the Holy Spirit really had me uh, take a real deep look at the Last Supper uh-huh. and and just picture them all sitting there at the table. You know, uh, they somebody, weren't sitting somebody, on chairs. At least now, Reuben, somebody already pictured that, don't you know that famous <laughs> picture that's got Jesus in the middle and they're all sitting at the table? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. If you thought you had a yeah, but no, idea. But, <laughs> yeah, what I what I'm just saying is like I, they weren't sitting; they were just really relaxed and they had their legs crossed or, mm-hmm. or just you know, just really. Like the kids say today, chillaxing, and you know they were just talking amongst each other. And Jesus was just looking left and right, and he was just listening to what they were saying. And 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 the Holy Spirit is just like really kind of put in my heart. Says, imagine what Jesus was thinking when when uh, uh when uh you know he was at the table and he broke the bread and he he drank the wine and everything he was saying was the and the, pro, the prophetic word that was that was spoken in the, in the old testament was coming alive wow. right there and yes. then what before their eyes and, what a moment yeah what? i was yeah i was like it chills went down my back and yeah. i don't know if i mean to me that's just an observation i wanted to make because it just sent chills down my spine mm-hmm. yes uh, the the whole the Seder event, the Passover event, yeah. is all about. Of course, it's a commemorating the the deliverance from Egypt as God brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage uh, to the you know in slavery and so on. Now, and yet it was a picture of even all of those centuries right. before of that God delivering His people from bondage of sin and domination of sin and death, and, and that we're. And so here Jesus is giving it its ultimate, final, ultimate uh, description and significance. And And right in their midst, yeah, he knew it. Yeah. And yet they they hadn't caught it quite yet. But here, yeah, it's it's such a powerful moment. It really, really is. I agree, Ruben. It it does send chills when you realize, when you kind of put yourself into that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. We're gonna next time we okay. have a, next time we have a painting of the Lord's Supper. I'm gonna paint you in there. <laughs> <laughs> or Ruben, you paint it. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, you can. I'll paint it myself. If yeah. you paint it, yeah, I'll me, commission it myself. Put right. me in there too. There okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Right. Appreciate God bless you, guys. you too. Bye. Happy Easter. Well, what a what a that what a moment that was. Yeah, it truly was. Uh, my sister-in-law uh, wanted to do a messianic sa- uh, seder uh-huh. for uh, next year, so we didn't get to do it this year. But just the how profound and how neat that is to be able to to do kind of a seder last yeah. supper for the kids too, and to wonderful, yes, know, to be on this side of it and to have count seats, us in, right? Yes. Count us okay, in if you, you, if you guys Ruben, organize one and put one together. <laughs> I would like to I want to be in the painting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I want to be in that that picture of the last supper. So anyway, we we've talked about this this setting of 
the uh, burial of Jesus. We talked about the stone, the, the solid stone tomb. We talked about the rock. We talked about the Roman seal. We talked about the Roman guard that is placed. Uh, all of these safeguards, all of these security safeguards to keep keep him dead. To, to to tamper to stamp this out right. to before you kind of get started, and uh, it, 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 to, interestingly to me it was so interesting that it's, it's the enemies that Christ had, that those who opposed him are the ones who remember. Now he said he was going to raise him the dead. You know, right. you know his disciples were were in hiding; they would run and, and scared, but they remembered and they put all of these safeguards. We can't let that happen, and so on. And uh, I, I don't know, can you think of other settings, other aspects of this? Uh, you know, the, we talked about the disciples being cowardly and, and gone into hiding. Uh, they're not professional, you know, swordsmen. Uh, as Peter already demonstrated that, you know, he tried to defend Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and all he managed to do was cut, cut a servant's ear. <laughs> it wounded him in the ear. Peter, uh, Peter seems to be... The an, uh, an answer for a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It Peter, was Peter. For better, for worse. <laughs> it was Peter, yeah. It was Peter. So we have this, this historical moment, his, this historical event. Uh, we see it uh, predicted and prophesied all through the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, uh, particularly in Psalm 22 is this beautiful picture of, of, of crucifixion, which I understand now that I had thought that the crucifixion actually could have been traced back to the Persian times. But um, some other authorities say no that it, that it was uh, that, that Alexander the Great may have may have witnessed it or seen it in in Persia uh, in his battles as he conquered the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was Alexander who kind of made it the Greeks who kind of brought it to prominence. Mm-hmm. Uh, at any rate, it, it was in the time of David in Psalm twenty-two that me- means that. That means of of execution didn't even exist. Mm-mm. So David here is is writing Psalm twenty two, uh, kind of in a, a in a blind, and he but he ends up describing almost perfectly the the crucifixion experience mm-hmm. uh, that you, your bones you you die of suffocation your your mouth dries up. Uh, he describes it so beautifully mm-hmm. so perfectly, even to the detail of the the soldiers. Casting lots and for his mm-hmm. garments, mm-hmm. And, and and wasn't that nice of the Roman uh, guards and the Roman soldiers to fulfill that prediction by David? You know, three hundred and fifty, four hundred years me, earlier. You know, the part of the reading uh, you talked about how in, uh, inadvertently it was those that uh, were his enemies that probably are the biggest actually testimony and witness of it being true what happened because they had put in so many roadblocks to uh, his body being uh, stolen or eroded and um, and so it, it must be true but uh, how you were also saying that they were the ones that actually caught that he said that he would raise from the dead and that reminds me of the reading we always do a wisdom and worship reading as well or you do uh-huh. and in Proverbs Proverbs 10 was this week's and it talks about the fears of the wicked and the hopes of the godly, and that both are going to come true. The fears of the wicked will come true, and the hopes of the godly will come true. Isn't that interesting? Uh-huh. That is really very, I have never made that connection between uh-huh. the wisdom and worship segment and, and the passage from John. Right. 
the and fears of the wicked and the hopes of the godly. And it's so true in Jesus's In that case, it was It, it was, was absolutely perfect. the fear of the wicked would be that he would, that he, and then the hope, but by all means, it's the greatest hope of the godly. Um, oh, and wonderful, kind of Stace. That's a great observation. It truly is. Uh, well, there we have the, the the details of this. There's so many small details about the fact that there were two high priests. Uh-huh. It, it's, right. And sometimes people say, well, that's not impossible. The Jews only had one high priest. But it, it is true. We now know and from history. Time. Caiaphas and 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 Annas was the the high priest, but the Romans had instilled Caiaphas, his son-in-law, as a high priest. So there were actually two during this unique period of history. Well, that's it. That's the time we've had. We finished up the Gospel of John this past week. We hope that you'll join us now as we started up as well on Friday the books of First and Second Kings. So come and join us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday this week, and we'll continue that journey through us, with us, through the Bible, here on the Bible Live broadcast. Have a great week. We'll see you the next Bible Sunday. Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.